TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to the episode of Sports, Sports, and Sports Queued Up. I am Quentin Bailey, the host. You find this on the OEM Network, sponsored by Side Street Grill. Lots to go over today, over the recap from the weekend, um, from Thursday on, of course, football, football, football. Today I'm going to talk about five things, and I'm never wrong, but I'm going to talk about five things I'm already willing to admit that I was wrong about in the NFL. Uh, I'm dropping my first power rankings in college and the NFL. Um, a lot to go over. We had unfortunate deaths. We had a uh, head coach fired four games in in college. Um, I'll start hit right here with the uh, Kevin Garnett retires from the NBA. So this is the offseason where Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, and Kevin Garnett, who Kevin Garnett's not on their level, but all iconic, legendary basketball players put in their 20 years, and they're all walking away into the sunset at the same time. Uh, Garnett's kind of lost his – hasn't been really a, a really good – a great player like he was over the last three years or so, but he stuck with it. He had a great career. Top five power forwards of all time. Uh, I still, I'd put him behind Barkley, Malone, uh, Tim Duncan, of course, is the best power forward of all time. Duncan, Barkley, Malone, and I'd put Dirk Nowitzki above Kevin Garnett, but yeah, I see the hero on there. So he's right there at top five power forwards of all time. Great career. Got a championship. Um, I never was a fan of him, but, you know, great player, did his thing. Chris Bosh apparently is done in the Miami Heat. He failed his physical. Of course, he had that the heart trouble. Um, but Pat Riley kind of admitting that this is probably the end of him in Miami, um, which is fine. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they set up his test to have a reason to get rid of him. Um, so Paul Pierce announces he'll retire at the end of this season. And that's it for my NBA talk because, you know, this is football season. So Les Miles has let go out of LSU. Uh, the most successful coach in the history of the program got a national championship. Um, 78% winning percentage, somewhere around there, 114 wins, I believe, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, it was always year in, year out. Um, he made fun of for his offensive scheme, essentially four plays, run left, run right, run middle, pass deep, run left, run right, run middle, pass deep. Uh, but he was let go. He was almost let go at the end of the season last year. Um, but I felt like they couldn't really get the guy that they wanted, which I think it was Jimbo Fisher. Um, they couldn't get him, so they just locked him down again. Uh, and it, it's just crazy that four games in, they opened up the season. Now, they were favored against Wisconsin. I tried to tell everybody, if they would just listen, that LSU was going to be overrated. Um, but they got smashed by Wisconsin. Dominated. The score wouldn't say smashed, but they got dominated by a Wisconsin team in Lambeau Field. So it was essentially a road game. And then. And you can't do that in the SEC. You can't do it in the and SEC. They gave him. They gave him a lot of time. When I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't been a decent coach for a while. He he's been decent. He hasn't been great. Not he, for the not for the last couple of seasons. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. Eight wins. Eight wins. Uh, but th- this is this is one. I'm not saying he shouldn't be fired. I'm saying four games in, and this is you. You get beat by a team, Wisconsin, in Lambeau Field, which is essentially a road game. Uh, you lose that game, and then. And Wisconsin turns out to be – they smashed Michigan State this past weekend. It turns out to be a good football team. 
Then you That's get a still a hard thing to take as an SEC school to like have a, win- a Wisconsin come in and beat you. Yeah, you know, it a- absolutely is. But- you just don't expect. Like, I mean, I feel like the SEC just has. You know, what I mean, they always call it the what do they call it the the other NFL division <laughs> is the SEC. Right, right, and, and and you're absolutely right, man. You know, they SEC holds themselves to a high regard. They shouldn't lose to anybody, but losses do happen. No one's going to go perfect, especially not. And the parity of the competition of the league is today in college football. And, uh, cause you got everything, you got to think about college football as a whole. It's not all the best players go to the best schools anymore. Cause now some of the best players who would be a backup at Alabama are going to go somewhere else. Guys that would be a backup at LSU, that would be a backup at Georgia, Florida, wherever, they go somewhere else so they can play. Cause by the time their time comes to play as a junior, that university, Alabama, has already replaced him with another five-star guy. Why do you think that is? Do you think that now that we live in a stage where media is uh, so much more accessible, it's easier to get you know tapes of you out to coaches to get picked up from smaller schools? Well, I, I think it's this. I think it's this. That Alabama is an elite school, like the most elite program in the country. So you're like, okay, I'm a five-star guy. I'm going to go to Alabama, who's already deep. Let's say, we'll just say a cornerback, defensive tackle, whatever. And, okay, you come in. By the time the guy that's in front of you leaves, they've already replaced you with another five-star guy. So this is more, maybe not five-star guys, four-star guys, right, that aren't going to get the playing time in Alabama, so they're going to come to a Memphis, to a Houston, uh, to a, a Missouri, whoever a team that they're going to play, so they're going to get seen, so they have a better opportunity to go to the league. Now, but bring it back to LSU, to where, you know, they've had guys like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, you know, these guys who, unless you really did your homework, because of the offensive scheme they ran, they never, it's surprising they even got drafted, really. And, but you bring it back to Les Miles, who was successful, got a championship, been eight wins the last couple of years, and he was looking forward to another eight, seven, eight wins this year. Um, but the program also, like I said, you lose to a good Wisconsin team, you win a couple games, and then you lose because the time runs out against Auburn at the last second. So you're sitting at two and two, and I feel like you let them go now because if they start playing well, if they start rallying, then you're not going to have a reason to fire him, and you kind of it'll kind of continue to go on. So this will probably be the lowest point of the season and the best opportunity to move on from him. But I still don't understand. I do understand. Why even bringing them back if you're going to let them go four games into the season? Um, but, you know, candidates that are up, uh, Todd Herman and Houston, which who's on top of everybody's list. Bobby Petrino came up. I don't – I'm not I'm not a Petrino fan. Uh, Ed Orjan, who's one of the all-time interim coaches apparently. Uh, Art Browles used to be at Baylor. And then the one I like, of course, because I'm a Lane Kiffin guy, is Lane Kiffin. You go pluck from Nick Saban as much as you possibly can. And even though he's not a true Nick Saban guy, it would build up a lot of uh, – it would steal some of Alabama's thunder if you took their offensive coordinator away. Uh, there's other guys that came up, um, the Marshall and TCU. You know, there's always – I'm not going to say mid-major, but a not-quite-elite program that's looking to – a coach looking to up his game, go to a bigger – setting now i would like to see if jimbo fisher because that's who lsu wants is jimbo fisher and of course florida state don't want to let him go but you can't in college it's so much different than the pros um if a guy wants out you got to let him out 
But uh, Les Miles fired from LSU. Uh, big news. And uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I'll start getting my college experts in here. And we'll start, you know, focusing on college a little bit more. But Les Miles fired. And we'll see where the program goes from here. Uh, Russell Wilson sprained MCL, expected to play this weekend. Uh, they got the Jets, I believe. Uh, so they play the Jets. He, he's expected to play. They haven't. They've got two quarterbacks on roster, him and the rookie. I think it's uh, Boykin. I think is his name. And that's the only two they have on the roster. They haven't signed in a third string quarterback, which makes me think that Russell Wilson will be playing this week, in spite of the MCL sprain. Um, so. Russell Wilson, MCL spring. Now, you want to talk about injuries, the New England Patriots, who are just biding time, waiting on Tom Brady to get back. Thursday night, they played the Houston Texans. Now, I'm going to say this. Houston was my Houston was my AFC pick to win, was my pick to win the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> uh, they did not look impressive. And if I were a Texas fan, I would have been embarrassed from the performance that they put Thursday night against the Patriots and their third-string quarterback, Brissett. Um, just ran all over them. Just bad offense, bad game planning. The defense looked old and tired in Houston. Um, the Brock Osweiler just wouldn't go downfield. I don't know if that was a game planning issue. Um, I really thought Brock Osweiler would be the difference in Houston. I'm not saying Houston's done by any chance. Uh, if you can win this week, you walk out three and one through the first quarter of the season. That's a good start. Uh, you just chalk it up. I, I was saying this to a buddy of mine, Zach. Um, down in Houston, big Texan fan, and I was saying, look, man, you just got to chalk it up. I'd rather get destroyed like this than lose a heartbreaking game to a third-string quarterback um, without their best player, Gronk, essentially, who didn't play. Yeah, but LeGarrette Blunt rolled all over them. He did. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that that was the game that I was like, oh, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt is a beast. He is a beast, man. But I'm going to say this. It, it, this is the thing that was the Houston offense. Like I remember in the first half, I want to say first quarter, it was third and eight, and they and they ran a a, a a halfback trap, right? Third and eight, and you run a trap against a good defense. To me, they conceded the loss. Now I understand Houston's coming off. They played late afternoon Sunday. You come around, you come, you travel from Houston, Texas, to Foxborough up in Massachusetts um, on a short week. So I can understand uh, uh, the coach Brian O'Brien. He was he's probably. A little intimidated by Billichek being from Billichek, you know. Um, I mean, I don't really know what to take of that, but it looks like the game plan was just to come in, run the clock off, and then walk out healthy is what they were hoping to do. And they did that, um, but you didn't manage to score any points. Hell, you didn't get past midfield till the end of the third, opening of the fourth quarter. So the defense was on the field the whole game. Um, and not to mention the turnovers. You, you fumbled two returns. And then the interception. So you handed them 13 points. Um, the, I don't think the score indicates how bad Houston's defense played because they were on the field for 35 minutes. But um, and, and then they were on their side of the field the whole game. So tough game. The Patriots win. They're expecting Tom Brady back. Now, Brissett did get hurt. He hurt, sprained his thumb. Uh, but they're saying Garoppolo should be ready to come up this Sunday for Buffalo, which is a big game. Buffalo played well. Um so you get Garoppolo, but still you walk out like I was saying about Houston. If you walk out three and one without your franchise quarterback, if you're the Patriots, you got to be feeling optimistic. Uh, without your franchise quarterback, without Gronk, without Ninkovich, like you were missing players, and you you're, you're playing well, and you're being pretty dominant, and you've beaten some uh, hell. You've beaten both of my Super Bowl picks uh, in the first month of the season. So 
Patriots gotta respect the hoodie, man. Gotta respect the hoodie, man. Greatest coach that, of all time. I mean, time. that just. It, I think that in this league today, I think that that is the only um, only evidence of how much a coach means to a team. I can't think of a, a coach, another coach in the league that could do what he's done. Well, I mean, there are other great coaches. I've never seen anybody be able to uh, to to play to play the game. The way that he plays it, to where he can mitch, he can move people into places and somehow make them essentially play anyone. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. It, it's an it's he's incredible. the best at it. Now I'm gonna throw my guy Andy Reid in there because he's done it for you. I saw him do it firsthand with Philadelphia, uh, who's another great coach, but he's not on Belichick's level. Don't get me wrong, because uh, no one is. He's the greatest coach of all time, and no matter who his quarterback, you know, I saw a meme about uh, Tim Tebow was the only quarterback he couldn't save, uh, which is funny, but it, it's totally a preposterous statement to make because Tebow never had a shot anyway. But um, Belichick, greatest coach, he works with what he gets. So I would like to see – He sometimes – I think every time he loses, it's because he outcoaches himself, if that makes sense. But greatest coach of all time, the New England Patriots, sitting at 3-0. and um, Very, very impressive what they've done with the people that they've been out and the teams that they have played. Very, very impressive. Other than Miami, man, they played two of the best teams going in in the league, in my opinion. Uh, the other Super Bowl pick of mine was the Arizona Cardinals, who apparently choose if and when they're going to show up to play. Uh, of course, they laid down for New England week one, uh, expecting, I guess, New England to just roll over because they didn't have Brady and Gronk, but that didn't happen. And so they roll into Buffalo, who fired their head coach. I mean, excuse me, their offensive coordinator because the Heat's on the head coach, Rex Ryan. And genius move, give the football to LaShawn McCoy. I know, I know. Um, might be a shocker, but he's an 8,000-yard rusher, man. Uh, they give him the ball, you destroy Arizona. I think it was Palmer threw four interceptions. Just didn't play well, man. They they pick and choose when they want to show up. And, you know, as much as in the offseason, everybody talks about how great a coach Bruce Arians is. When your teams pick and choose when to show up every other week, it's an indication on your head coach. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad head coach. I, I really like Bruce Arians. But I'm a person that when you get all this credit, you need to get a little um, of the blame when it comes your way. And Buffalo rolls Arizona. And big game coming up because the Patriots play Buffalo next week. And I think, you know, Patriots want to come out unscathed. If they can just hand the ball off 40 times and – Keep it low scoring, be in the game late. I think they'll be content with that. But you walk out three and one. Buffalo's going to be a tough match, man. Going to be a tough match. Uh, Green Bay hopped up all over Detroit, uh, which was interesting. I think it was 27 to nothing or 27 3. Like they got up on them. Uh, 28 3, sorry. Four touchdowns in the first half by Aaron Rodgers. They were rolling. Detroit made a comeback. I thought they would. Shout out to my boy Darnell because I, I think the Lions are a lot better than I thought they would be. Uh, they're one and two, and you are what your record says you are. But uh, they should very easily be two and one. They didn't give up, and I think Green Bay's a little overhyped. They got some issues. I don't care how relaxed you stay. Um, Green Bay's got some issues coming up. Um, I think I think their energy. I think their first home game. I think they were riled up, and Aaron Rodgers was sharp in that first half. Man, they probably took the gas off their foot off the gas in the second half, but. Detroit made a game of it, man. If, I, if I'm Green Bay, I'm a little bit more concerned than probably leading on. So Odell Beckham, 
Jr. matches up with Josh Norman for the first time uh, this year after their big scuffle last year when Norman was a Carolina Panther. And they were both warned before the game, if anything happens, you're thrown out, you're tossed. Um, they felt like it wasn't fair. I don't understand why they felt that way. Uh, them two guys were the whole reason that the rule change of ejection after two unsportsmanlike personal fouls. It's actually the Odell Beckham rule. Um, but one guy was tossed. Uh, offensive lineman for the Giants got tossed for taking a cheap shot on Norman. They took a couple cheap shots on Norman. Uh, but Norman, 61 out of 73 plays, well, I believe – he guarded Odell Beckham because the first couple of weeks, Norman's, who's who's a zone guy, plays one side of the field, but they moved him around all over Beckham. Beckham, six catches for 106 yards, whatever it was. But Eli getting intercepted at the end, Washington coming through, Cousins playing decent enough. Nothing big, nothing bad. Just won the football game. So Washington, because, you know, CJ was asking me, we were watching the football game, and he says, man, who you want to win? Because, you know, New York was sitting at 2-0, and and Washington at 0-2. And... He's like, you know, if the Giants win, then they're undefeated, and you can't surpass them for first place in the division. But I'm like, if Washington loses, who I have a, a bitter hatred for, but if they they lose, then the division is essentially coming down to a, a three-team race. So I'd rather put the foot on them and get them out the door than to keep it open for four teams in the division. But uh, the Giants lost. Um, they lost Shane Vereen for the season. That's a big loss for them. Um, who was playing well, had a couple fumbles. Probably costed them in the, in, the, in the long run, but it was it was a good game. Uh, the Redskins win it; they stay alive. Um, it is what it is. The Dallas Cowboys were the Sunday night game. They played just a hapless Chicago Bears football team, um, who, who I really had higher hopes for to compete and be around, you know, eight and eight type of thing. But man, they other than Cleveland, Chicago is probably the worst team in the NFL, and Dallas dominated them pretty good. Dak Prescott played well. Highest, you know, he had a 99.1 QBR out of 100. So that's a good performance through his first touchdown. Ran for another touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott played well. The offensive line played well. Um, Chicago, just a lot of trouble in Chicago. But Dallas is sitting at 2-1 and one and feeling pretty confident, I'm sure. Uh, their average defense looked above average against the Bears. And Brian Hoyer and John Fox has already gone on record saying that he doesn't think that well, he's saying that Cutler's not guaranteed his starting job back whenever he comes back from his little boo-boo on the thumb. I think they're ready to kind of split ways, go their separate ways. You know, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. But uh, I see a breakup in Chicago. Dallas 2-1, and one, tied with the Giants and ahead of the Redskins. Because ahead of the NFC East is my Philadelphia Eagles. Who Look, man, I was going to yesterday's game. I was excited. I, I thought it was a good test for the Eagles to see where they're at, both offensively and defensively. So it was a good test going against a team that many people believe were the best team in the league, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, 34-3, four quarters later. Ben Roethlisberger has never thrown a touchdown in Lincoln Financial Stadium in the link in Philadelphia. He's never thrown a touchdown. And the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't won in Philadelphia in a regular season game since 1965, which is pretty interesting. I never would have thought that, but Philadelphia looked great. Uh, the defense, I thought going in because I had D'Angelo Williams on one of my fantasy teams, and I didn't want to play him because I thought he wouldn't play well against that defense. But then I felt like I would jinx myself if I sat him out the lineup. So just to be safe, I played him. He didn't do nothing. 
but I'll take the loss. I don't care. But uh, Philadelphia rolled. Wentz looked phenomenal, but the defense. Right now, Philadelphia Eagles have the number one offense and the number one defense in the NFL. Of course, they play Cleveland and Chicago. That helps out. But you beat Pittsburgh, and that's far better than almost what anybody else has done this year. Gosh, Wentz threw 301 yards on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know, man, and it looked great, and he looked – he looks so calm and poised, and I see I see that in Dak Prescott a lot. He's absolutely, very, man. very poised in the pocket. Absolutely, man. Dallas lucked up on them a gem. Philadelphia traded up for theirs. Um, so, but uh, Philadelphia three and zero. I'll take it. I'm very impressed. Like I said, I thought this game would be a test. I really expected to lose. Um, but man, Philadelphia looks really good right now, and it's. Pittsburgh's just going to chalk it up to get Le'Veon Bell back next week. And so. You got to love it. In Pennsylvania, though, when the Eagles come in and beat the Steelers, the Steelers are just one of those teams that, you know, they're easy to root against because they somehow have, like, such big followings everywhere. Absolutely. And the reason that big following is, it's the same thing with Dallas. It's uh, before you had NFL Network, before you had, you know, three, four games a week on national TV in the 90s. In the 70s and 80s, it was the game of the week. That's what you got. That was before my time, obviously. Um, but and those were the best teams, Dallas and Pittsburgh, uh, perennially. And so they were on TV every week. So you pretty much had to choose. That's why a majority of the fan base, especially here where there's no professional team, Steelers or Cowboys, that's why they're so popular around the country. And – they are, and it's a great win. It's a great win because they are highly acknowledged as being one of the best teams in the league year in and year out. A, a favorite to go to the Super Bowl playoff team every year. And it, it, it's a really good win. I was really excited about all three facets of the game the Eagles played. Very impressive. Um, I, I, I like what they got going, head coaching-wise. The young quarterback, the defense is fired up. Like I said, top offense, top defense. Philadelphia Eagles, man. Who would have thought it, man? Uh, Colin Cowherd had him going four and twelve, but they're already three and zero. So hopefully he's not going to end up being correct because that'd make for a, a very sad final <laughs> thirteen weeks of the year for me. Um, I'm going to take a second send a shout out to my sponsor, Thirty Five South Florence Side Street Grill. Monday through Friday, four to seven is happy hour. Nice, good drinks. Uh, cool, laid back staff. Tuesday's pasta night, four to nine. Wednesday is a steak night, four to nine. Sunday is brunch, eleven to three. Uh, best brunch in Midtown, and they got the NFL ticket going on the red bar next door. So you can go over there. You can still eat some food, smoke your cigars, watch the flat screen TVs. They have the games going. Uh, 35 South Florence behind the big-ass parking garage in Overton Square. Um, so <clears throat> real quick before I get back to the game action, I'm going to tell you five things I was wrong about. And I'm I'm generally never wrong. I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. All right. I thought this would be the year that Ryan Tannehill takes a step up. The Miami Dolphins compete for the division. Oh, boy, was I wrong about that. Uh, They are probably bottom four worst teams in the NFL. Man, Tannehill is a joke. Um, I think after this year, if you can get one of the worst records, you can get up there and get one of them quarterbacks. You take your quarterback. Because Ryan Tannehill is not the answer. He has no accuracy downfield. Don't look at his stats. Because he he'll 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 
stock some stats up on you. But he is not a franchise quarterback at all. I talked about that a little last week, but not at all. Chicago Bears, as I aforementioned, I thought would really be the second best team in this division. And they're the second worst team in the NFL. If Cleveland had a quarterback, Chicago would probably be the worst. The defense isn't good. The offense isn't good. The special team isn't good. The coaching isn't good. And that's a team that I wanted to be good. Like, I still have a little, you know what? I still have a little bit of faith in um, RG3. I like the switch that Pryor made to receiver. He was looking really good. So I actually kind of had hope for them going into this season. Yeah, everyone did. Everyone was waiting for Cleveland to take that um, jump up, like to be better with the head coach. Everybody likes Hugh Jackson. Uh, Other than that Derek Anderson, Braylon Edwards era of Cleveland, there just hasn't really been anything to look at, you know? No, not in 20 years, man. Not since Vinny Testaverde. And when Belichick was the head coach. That's how long ago that was. But the Chicago Bears, second worst team in the NFL. And I was I was wrong about them. The Minnesota Vikings, I was wrong about them. I thought they would be the worst team in that division. And boy, was I wrong because they get Sam Bradford. Now, I said this before they got Sam Bradford, okay? But, man, that defense, like the the game planning in which they had for Cam Newton was just phenomenal. Like, if you go back and look at the film, the way they would spread the line out so he couldn't get out and run, they had a spice. As soon as he stepped up, somebody was on him. And, man, they roughed him up early and often. And Minnesota Vikings, without Adrian Peterson and without – Really, the offense didn't really do a whole lot because Carolina's a very good defense. But to go on the road, fall down 10 nothing, and then to come back and win the game by a couple touchdowns, is, Minnesota is for real. And I was wrong about them. Marcus Mariota, guy, I still don't believe he's a franchise quarterback, but has showed much improvement, especially over the last two weeks being in close games. The throw he made against Detroit was very good. He made a good throw against uh, the Raiders yesterday. And then one of the silly linemen run up and just take a shot to try to, I guess, try to block him into the end zone because the pass got down to the one in the final minute. And, of course, that's a personal foul. You can't take a head shot like that. You can't get a a full head of steam and then take a shot on somebody anymore. So it moves them back 15 yards. Tennessee loses the game. But Mariota, I may have been wrong about him because he's played well late in the game. And he showed, he showed a little something. I don't think he's a franchise guy. But he may belong in the NFL after all. Now, I said going into the year, worst teams in the league, I thought would be the Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. It looks like I may have been wrong about that because the Los Angeles Rams sitting at 2-1. and one, Only loss coming to a 1-2 and two San Francisco football team when they got routed. But they've played well since. And, you know, you get home, you get your feet under you. Uh, Todd Gurley had a couple touchdowns, but that defense is playing really, really well. They put up a lot of points. They gave up a lot of points, a lot of defensive scores uh, against at Tampa Bay. So anybody, anytime you can travel across the country and win a game that you're not favored to win, it's reason to be optimistic. So the fifth thing that I was wrong about is the Los Angeles Rams. I don't think they're a playoff team. Um, I think I'll be right about that. But they're not necessarily one of the bottom – few teams in the NFL. Yeah, they're in that weird spot, too, where as Keenum starts pulling a couple of games, they're going to start talking about putting golf in, then they could put golf in, and then that could go terribly, terribly wrong, and then they're, you know, back down to being the worst team. 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody's going to surpass Cleveland for the worst team, to be honest. But uh, I don't think golf will play this year. Um, but y- you never know. Like I said, I've been wrong five times, so that's five more times in the rest of my life. So those are the five things that I was wrong about in the NFL. Just after week three, I'm willing to admit. It is what it is, man. You can't get them all right, I guess. But I, I'll, I call it like I see it. And I was wrong. I'll admit it. Uh, in the NCAA, of course, we talked about Les Miles being fired. Ole Miss rolled Georgia. Auburn squeaked by LSU. LSU scored a touchdown. But the time ran out before they snapped the ball, which is what led to Les Miles being fired. Wisconsin rolled Michigan State up in Spartan country. Uh, Tennessee, got to give it to where it's deserved. Made a great comeback after losing like 12 years in a row to Florida. Made a comeback. Won by a couple scores. Tennessee held on. Um, so, very impressive. Uh, Memphis looked really good against Bowling Green. I, I was telling people it's going to be a very high-scoring high offensive game. Um, it was, but Bowling Green didn't participate in it. So, uh, so Richard Douglas from Black Nerd Power um, – Asked me this question on Facebook. He said, you know, looking at like the Memphis game, once you get a 50-point lead, do you think there should be some kind of – he referred to the quotation Madden rule to where you can kind of have a mercy and, and call the game quits. Where there is a rule in play, and it was taking place, a mercy rule. It was used last weekend, I think. I can't remember the team. It doesn't matter. Uh, but if both coaches agree going in 10 because the game's out of hand, going to the second half, they'll play 12-minute quarters instead of 15 which is a lot in college because the clock stops so much. And, uh, you know, Big Ken says, you know, it's an opportunity for players that don't play to get into the game in these type of games. And that's right. It, it is a great opportunity for them. But I think uh, for safety issues, I think it's best if you could just – once you get to a certain point, I would like to see the mercy rule kicked in. 10-minute quarters, but they got it 12, but I would like 10-minute quarters or play one more quarter, one full quarter, and call it a day because you don't want anybody to get hurt in a game that's overly decided, you know, 60-3 to three or whatever it is. Jeez, speak- yeah, Riley Ferguson goes 20 of 27, 359, six touchdowns. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. it up. It was 56-3 to three at halftime. All right, so the game is not even in question. Uh, I I would like to see more towards the I, – I like – now, in NFL, you have a roster limit. In college, you don't, right? You have a scholarship limit, but you don't have a roster limit. You have as many players as you like, I think. You can have like 100 players. So it's an opportunity for them guys to play. But, man, you do not want somebody getting hurt in a game that's over at halftime. Because you're not coming back. Nobody's coming back from that. But I, w- I, I would like to see a mercy rule kicked in. I, I, like, I like the question because if you get to 50 points at halftime – then I say play one more quarter and call it a day. Um, even though the mercy rule is in place, 12-minute 12, 12 quarters, I would like to say, all right, play one more quarter, play your backups that quarter. But, like, here's the thing about that rule, I would say. If you're going to enforce that type of rule, uh, so the team that's up to play their backups, the team that's down by a lot has to play their backups as well. So they're not up there taking cheap shots and, you know, 
I think that there should be some humility in it too. Like your coach should have to walk out in the middle of the field with a white flag and wave it and stop the game himself. That's more for showmanship. It's not a boxing match. Get throwing a towel. I don't know. I, I like that idea. I like it too. But that's I think, not. I think that if you want to enforce it, maybe even make it even worse. Like you have to take pull your underwear out from your pants and wave it, <laughs> put it on a stick and wave it around. All right, that's not. It's hap- all about the humility. That's not happening in the SEC because uh, they don't wear underwear. All right. So, um, so speaking of Memphis, I'm gonna go ahead and go into my college picks. Uh, Stanford three point underdog going into Washington. I think Washington will win. Texas. Three-point favorite going into Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State puts up a lot of points. I think Oklahoma State knocks off Texas. Texas coming back to reality better than everybody thought they would be, but not a top 25 team. Tennessee, three-point favorite going into Georgia, who got smoked by Ole Miss. Um, I got Tennessee winning that game, covering Wisconsin, number eight in the country, at number four, Michigan. Maybe the best game of the week. Michigan's laying 12-and-a-half. I think Wisconsin covers, but Michigan wins. Louisville, a one-point favorite going into Clemson. Number three, Louisville, going into Clemson. Who's number six? Louisville is going to roll Clemson. Um, I'll say 41-20 to in, in South Carolina, in Clemson. Clemson gets exposed for not being one of the best teams in the country. They got lit off the hook a couple games early in the season. Um you know, somebody tried to bring up the point that maybe teams just played them well. No, man, screw that. Clemson got let off the hook. I know Auburn, and there was another game. I don't remember. But Louisville wins. Louisville wins big. And next week, Louisville will be the number one team in the rankings, I believe. And my final pick, because I do pick six, you know, because it makes sense. Ole Miss is 14.5 point favorite at home. Against Memphis, I'm taking Memphis to cover and win. You can call me a homer, I don't care. I'm not buying into Ole Miss. I don't think they're that good. And I think Memphis can go in there, put up points, keep it close. Ole Miss will turn the ball over. And, man, Memphis go in there, get a win, and, man, maybe you can crack that top 25. I thought they would crack it, you know, after being so dominant this past weekend. But they like them one and two teams to be in the top 25 for some damn reason. I don't know. So here are my – I don't care about the, the rankings as much until uh, later. So I'm going to give you my top five power rankings in NCAA football. Number five, I got Tennessee. Number four, I got the Houston. The Houston. Number three, Ohio State. Number two, Alabama. And the number one team to me, the Louisville Cardinals. And I don't like anything Cardinal. But, man, Action Jackson's got them rolling, man. And once they defeat Clemson this week, they'll be unanimous number one across the board. All right, so we're bringing it back to the NFL because that's what majority of my listeners like to, to talk about, and that's what I like to talk about the most. So I had going into the season, Denver had a lot of issues coming into the year. You know, they draft Paxton Lynch, so dude's going to hold spot till he's ready. You want to talk about a diamond in the rough against the Cincinnati team that's well-respected. 312 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and his first-ever road start. Never been done in the NFL to have put up a game. 87 Q, uh, QBR, which is out of 100, which is a very good, very high. Um, so 
he puts up this phenomenal game. Of course, Von Miller all over the place. That defense is outstanding. Now, I thought Cincinnati would be overrated, but they're still a good team, good defense. I thought the game would be like 13-10, but Denver rolled them 29-17, dominated them in Cincinnati. Jeremy Hill had a pretty good game fantasy-wise, but, man, it was all Denver from the beginning to the end, and Denver sitting pretty at 3-0 and and winning on the road against um, a team that's considered to be pretty good. I thought they'd be average, but, you know, they're pretty good. Um, but Denver, very impressive, man. Um, so your San Diego Chargers were in Indianapolis. Good football game. So Andrew Luck gets off the hook. A guy that I'm leaning towards not being a franchise guy, but I'm not ready to put him there yet. Throws a 63-yard touchdown to Hilton to win the game. Now he threw it eight yards. Hilton ran the other 55 on his own, including breaking two tackles. Uh, but Luck, of course, gets all the credit for everything. But the Colts get their win. They don't fall to 0-3, which is huge because the coach may have been fired if they'd have lost that game. And Colts win. Chargers lose. Chargers should be 2-1. and But like I said about the Lions, man, you are what your record says you are. The Baltimore Ravens are undefeated. They beat... The now 0-3 Jacksonville Jaguars against a guy. Now, I caught some heat from a lot of guys saying, because I said Blake Bortles is not a franchise quarterback. I don't care how many yards he throws for, how many 30s of touchdowns he throws for. He's not going to win you football games. And, of course, everybody's, well, the defense isn't good. No, the defense isn't good. The coaching isn't good. No, the coaching isn't good. But if you have a franchise quarterback, they're going to win you games. And – Jacksonville doesn't have that. He's a good quarterback. He's not bad. I'd take him over Alex Smith, right? But I'm not taking him over Matt Ryan, you know, or anybody. He's not a franchise quarterback either too much. But he doesn't win you football games. Flacco, it's remarkable that he's come back from Terrence ACL in week 15, which is the final three weeks of the season. And he's back, and, you know, they they look all right, man. You know, Steve Smith was on Mike and Mike this morning talking about uh, there's like, you know, you've played, oh, who they play, Cleveland, Jacksonville. He said, man, I don't care, man. We're 3-0. and You know, why Why does everything have to come with an asterisk, man? You're 3-0. and You take it in first place in the AFC North. So, uh, like I mentioned about Marcus Mariota earlier, lost a close game at home to the Oakland Raiders. Raiders won a game they should have. Good for them. Went on the road. You lose at home, but you're two and zero on the road, man. So that that says a lot. Chip Kelly's offense not looking very offensive. Um, Seattle rolled them thirty-seven to eighteen. You just you need a quarterback, man. Uh, at what point do you put in Kaepernick into this game? I expect it to be a close game. Seattle's probably irritated from the Rams game. Russell Wilson, like I said, sprains his MCL. But at what point? How long do you sit here and suffer through the Blaine Gabbard effect, man? This dude can't throw down. He's athletic. That's nice. You know, go to the CFL with that, man. He can't throw downfield at all. He's not accurate close. He's not accurate medium-wise. And he can't go downfield. So, I'm not saying San Francisco is a quarterback away from competing for a championship. But to compete against the better teams, to even be close, you got to have good quarterback play. And they don't even have average quarterback. It's it's hideous. It's horrendous watching San Francisco play offense. 
Because this dude can't play quarterback, man. Now, I understand, like, me and CJ were talking. CJ's a San Francisco fan. Man, I want to put in – I don't want to put in – he asked me, do you want to put in Kaepernick? I'll say put him in at the half. But it, at that point, they didn't do it. Now, you can't put him in down three touchdowns because he's going to come out throwing. and That's not catering to his skills. It's going to make him look bad. It's a confidence issue. Nothing but wrong can come from that, I believe. And because there's not a chance he's going to throw you back into the game. So, but I think this week you got to put in Colin Kaepernick because um, you got to make a change, man. You can't score points. And this week you got Dallas. Great time to put in Kaepernick, the most hated player in the NFL. Put him in and see if Kelly can – because this is your last year with this guy. You need to see if he can play, if you want to move forward with him or without him. But you can't make that choice without playing him. And I believe Chip Kelly will play him. You almost have to. I don't – because Blaine Grabbage sucks. That's just plain and simple. Um (laughs) – So the Cleveland Browns aren't going to win a game this year. And that may be the only game the Dolphins win. So I'm not even going to talk about that damn game. That game was so ugly and hideous. Um, Like I said, Minnesota handled their business against Carolina. Looked really, really sharp. And uh, offensively and defensively, they didn't turn the ball over. You know, you protect the ball. Bradford looks crisp. Against a good defense on the road. It's a great win. Maybe Carolina's coming back. You know, everybody said Carolina's going to come back to the field a little bit. I still figured, you know, 13-3 and three instead of 15-1. and 12-4 maybe. But, man, they're 1-2. and two. And not saying they're looking troubled, you know. But they kind of got to uh, circle the wagons, if you will. Bring it together. They need their bye week. That's what they need. And to get healthy. The New York Jets, who some people picked to win the AFC East this year. And I even said, you know, this was the year to strike. Uh, you, you sign Fitzpatrick, you get him back in. But the Jets are looking old. Uh, he throws six interceptions, a couple in the end zone. And he still had a chance in the game in the fourth quarter. He still had a chance. He just kept throwing picks, man. I mean, Fitzpatrick is what he is, man. He's a backup quarterback at best. And... He is, <laughs> excuse me, that whole team's looking troubled, man. Uh, Kansas City's defense looks good, but a lot of it was just bad quarterback play. And uh, the Kansas City at home, good win for them. You're two and one. You're undefeated at home, which is what you want to do. Um, Jets, like I was saying about the Panthers, man, you kind of got to get your stuff together because if the Patriots go to four and zero. You're in a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, and Todd Bowles, who is normally real calm, cool, collected as the head coach of the Jets, he was – his whole conversation after the game had to be beeped out uh, pretty much because he was pissed off. And, you know, he's trying to say you can't just blame the quarterback, which you can't. You can never just blame one guy, uh, even though he throws six interceptions. But the defense has to play a little bit better. Um you know, force turnovers of your own. But to put up three points, man, when you came off the most prolific Jets offensive season last season, you get Matt Forte, you sign Fitzpatrick, 
man, you, you're, you, I mean, you, you give Muhammad Wilkerson on defense, which I didn't think they should have done. They give him that max contract. You're expecting to compete, not go in there and get meleeed by the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been struggling. They've been struggling. The offense is still struggling. If I'm Kansas City, and I, I like Alex Smith. But man, I'm I might be looking to make a quarterback change myself if I got something that I feel like I can win with cuz I know they drafted a rookie. I can't think who the rookie is. Uh but it, at some point, man, it, I mean, you put up nothing but field goals against Houston. You have to make a huge comeback against the Chargers. And you're just I mean, if you want to compete, if you want to win the division cuz Denver's 3 and 0. Denver's looking impressive. Defense, best defense in the league. Um, I think Kansas City's defense is really good, too. Uh, their coaching is really good. But, man, that offense has to start making some points. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, I see Kansas City score a defensive touchdown. Like I said, they forced eight turnovers. So, I mean, you don't force them eight turnovers, which is a big if. That's not, I'm not even going to play that if game. But they forced eight turnovers. Kansas City's offense has to come to play. And I think it'll get better as the season goes on. Uh, I like Kelsey at tight end. You know, you got I like your running backs with Ware and Charles. Uh, you got Jeremy Macklin on the outside. But you got to get it going, man. You got to open it up, go downfield. And now you played Houston and the Jets, who are two really good defenses back-to-back weeks. So, you know, but you got to continue to get better. Because Kansas City is a quarterback away from possibly competing for a Super Bowl. And having said that, man, right now they're not even looking like the best team in their division. Uh, the season is young. Excuse me if I sound like I'm writing anybody off. Uh, the only teams I'm writing off are Chicago and Cleveland um, and Miami, I think, are the only teams I'm writing off. But as of this point, um, from what I've seen, this isn't from highlights that ESPN's telling me. I sit there and watch the games. I got my TV set up, the Red Zone channel set up, watch the games I want to watch. And so I get a good look at everything, and I'm writing those three teams off. The Dolphins are done. The Browns were never in it, and the Bears are just – I did not see that coming. Um, But so I've gone over. I've touched the NFL games from this past week. So, I've touched on the five things I was wrong about. So, before I come back, talk a little bit more NFL. Uh, we had a couple deaths yesterday, right? So, at 87 years old, Arnold Palmer, Mr. Lemonade Sweet Tea. They called him the king. He passed away yesterday morning, or yesterday evening, sorry. He passed away last night, and at 87 years old, uh, lived a full life. It's still sad to see such an iconic figure go away. Um, a guy that was really happy go lucky, you know. You, what people say about you when you're when you're not around, says a lot about you. Now it's easy to to talk it up and sweet talk somebody and sugarcoat it, but everyone was really genuine about uh, when you had a chance to talk to him. He talked to you like he didn't just look through you, you know, say a little spill and then go on about his business. Like he engaged with you. Uh, he was always smiling. Um, like I said, the king and maybe the most popular golfer till Tiger Woods, uh, based off um, his charisma, how he played the game, 
And, of course, lemonade sweet tea, man. You know, I'm not a fan of it. I like my sweet tea. I like my lemonade. I don't like them together. But, uh, you know. That's the only way I can drink uh, tea. I'm not a big sweet tea guy. Yeah? Yeah, I I can't, like, it just, I can't get into it. But I I like, uh, I like an Arnold Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. So, not take it, not take it lightly. Do you know what a, a Jack Daly is? I don't know what a Jack is. It Jack? It's, I'm sure it's John Daly's drink. That's what I mean, John Daly. Yeah, John. Yeah. Daly, sorry. Is it Jack and Coke? No, that's that's what I that's what I guess. But it's uh, an Arnold Palmer with vodka. So, <laughs> so you know. But um, <clears throat> he dies, 87 years old, full life icon, uh, one of the two biggest names in the sport, and you know he will be missed by many people. I'm not a fan of golf, but you know I, I respect it, and he's gone. So. Uh, on a sadder note, we talk about Palmer lived a full life, 87 years old. Jose Fernandez, pitcher for the Florida Marlins, was found dead in the, I guess, off out in Miami somewhere. He had a boat accident. The Coast Guard found him, 24 years old. Uh, really sad. Really, uh, the Cuban America community, which is huge down in Miami. Um, he touched he touched a lot of guys, a lot of people. Sorry. In many ways, because he was charismatic, he was one of them guys that always smiling. Uh, this year, he was going to set the record for strikeouts per inning ratio, whatever that is, like the greatest of all time, as far as that had ever been done. Uh, he was 2013 Rookie of the Year. He was going to win. He was at 16 wins this year, which is the most and that he'd ever had. He had Tommy John surgery, so he hadn't played since 2014, uh, but. Um, just see, you see how hurt people are by losing someone. You know how special they were. Uh, it's easy for, um, like if you lose your father or your grandparent or whatever, of course it hurts because you love them. But when someone's not related to you, and you see the effect it has on a whole team, on a whole workplace, whatever it is, uh, you see how special and important they were. And seeing how hurt those guys were, um, showed, what he meant to them. Uh, like I said, a person that's always smiling, man. Uh, you need that type of positivity. Um, so I'm sure he will be missed, especially by the Cuban-American community to where uh, I heard a guy telling a story this morning about, uh, well, like when he pitched, the attendance went up 30%. Um, when he pitched, little kids were – allowed to stay up and watch him pitch the cute the cuban american kids all right when he comes out the game you got to go to bed you know but um death is sad but it's guaranteed and you never know when it's coming so we lose iconic Arnold palmer in 87 and sadly a young kid jose fernandez at 24 and you know what's really messed up is he was supposed to start yesterday because he starts every fifth day in he was supposed to start, but he got scratched, and so he was supposed to start today. For whatever reason, he got scratched for a sixth day. So had he not scratched, man, it's just it's fate, man. You know, there's no one to blame here. And when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And so you better appreciate who you got, man. You better appreciate who you got. So I'm going to send another shout-out to my sponsor, 35 South Florence, Side Street Grill. Monday through Friday, 4 to 7, nice strong drinks. You know, we got some hot staff, uh, some great cooks. Um, Sunday's brunch and NFL ticket in the red bar. Wednesday's the uh, steak night. Tuesday's the pasta special. 
So you come on down, 35 South Florence, the best restaurant in Midtown, and you'll like what you get, man. If you say that you come in because you heard it on the show, man, I'll make sure Zoe comes and gives you a hug. So 35 South Florence, Side Street Grill, behind the big-ass parking garage in Overton Square. So I'm going to talk about this. I'm returning to the ring this Saturday as my alter ego, Judas the Beast. Um, but it's for a children's fundraiser. It'll be in South Haven, Mississippi, 465 Goodman Road. Starts at 1 o'clock. It'll only take a couple hours. Um, it's a free show. and But whatever whatever's going on, it's, it's an event type thing. Wrestling's part of it, from my understanding. But I will be there, and it's for a children's fundraiser. So if you're not doing anything, it's you know, 15, 20 minutes outside of Memphis, man. Come on, check it out. Um, it's under the RSWF banner, uh, Real South uh memphis wrestling and uh so come on check it out 465 goodman road at the sam's club how long has it been since you've been in the ring the end of may around around memorial day um i wanted to focus on working and i couldn't consistently like do shows so i'll just i'll wait you know i'll work out and stuff and you excited about it i am i'm very excited and you know, I love getting in the ring. I want to suplex somebody so bad, <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping I get to work with my boy Poker Face because I love kicking his ass. And um, but 465 Goodman Road, Sam's Club, South Haven, one o'clock. Be there or be square. All right, so I'm gonna do my NFL power rankings. Like I said, this was the first time this year. Um. Now, I don't go by, like, record as much as what I've seen. My eyes don't lie to me, right? Uh, you can look at numbers. Numbers will lie to you. They'll, they'll sway you away because you can pat stats. Uh, a team can be undefeated, but a 2 and one team could be better. So this is power rankings based off how I view the league, right? So at number eight, 3-0 Baltimore Ravens. Might catch a lot of slack from KJ, but whatever, man. That's how I feel. You haven't defeated anyone too good, but you deserve to be mentioned. Number seven, the Dallas Cowboys, who probably should be 3-0. and um, But you are what your record says you are, and you're 2-1. and But the rookie quarterback, uh, they're going to have a lot of trouble when Romo's healthy. I think it's going to bite them in the ass if they put Romo in the lineup, which is probably what they're going to do. Uh, I got Green Bay at six, even though I think they're overhyped. Um, I got them at six. You know, I was, I was torn between them and Dallas, but I got them at six. Number five, I still got the Steelers, even though they got rolled yesterday. Got Steelers two and one. Still probably the second best team in the AFC. Um, if I had to place, like, if I had to make a Super Bowl pick, they'd probably be my <coughs> excuse me second pick. So Steelers at five. The Eagles, I got it four. I really don't want to put the Eagles in here because I feel like I'm jinxing them. But, you know, man, you're 3-0 and and you got the best offense, best defense. You deserve to be up in here. Um, the Denver Broncos at three. The Minnesota Vikings at two. Because um, they play real solid football, real solid defense. And I think they're only going to get better with Sam Bradford. Gets more acclimated into the system. Uh, and then at some point you get Adrian Peterson back. And you won't be able to play eight in the box against the Minnesota Vikings when Peterson comes back. And they even may gear more towards being a passing offense anyway. My number one power ranking, first NFL power rankings of the season, 
has to be the New England Patriots, who seem like could win if I were the quarterback. So, uh, Ravens, Cowboys, Packers, Steelers, Eagles, Broncos, Vikings, Patriots. Wrap up, you know, Power 8. Um, could change week to week, you know. Uh, you lose one game badly, I may drop you completely out. I don't care where you were, man. It's week to week. It's not based off where you were a week before. Because that's how I roll. That's how I think it should be. Um, but I like all those teams um, moving forward. I think other than Green Bay and and maybe Denver. Because I still – Simeon played well, but I still don't completely trust the guy. Because uh, the first two weeks he looked below average. And well, yesterday he was phenomenal, though. Uh, Ravens probably won't stay up there too long. Uh, Packers, I think, they'll be good in the regular season, but they're not a contender. Uh, the Eagles, jury's still out. Let them play some division games. And I think the Broncos will fall off. But Vikings may be the best team in the NFC, the most complete team, and the Patriots' best team in the AFC. <clears throat> uh, so a lot of good games yesterday, a lot of a lot of players that took me by surprise. Now, when I do my uh, – not say players of the week, but players that really played well. I generally focus on the guys that won. Uh, but man, I gotta bring up Terrell Pryor. Uh, he had 144 yards receiving with Cody Kessler as his quarterback. He played quarterback. Uh, he played running back. He played. He probably could play linebacker if he had to. Like man, dude, dudes out there playing, man, and for a bad team. And sorry, he's gonna have to waste his. First year as a wide receiver in Cleveland. But, you know, if, if I'm Cleveland, I'm like, okay, if I can get Josh Gordon back, you got Gordon and Pryor, if the rookie can play well. But, man, it, it, it's not looking good for Cleveland. But Terrell Pryor, man, diamond in the rough. Um, I spoke with this before. Good on him for, you know, they tried to do something like that with Tebow. I think they tried to do it in New, New England where they were trying to get him to – kind of have an alternate per position like they wanted him to play more of a tight end or like uh yeah. kind of like a uh Peyton Hillis type uh position Yo, the but jet, he didn't want to do it the Jets tried it yeah oh, okay the yeah, Jets yeah. tried it you know had him playing special teams and and he's a good football player but you know just because you're 6'2 250 and built like Tebow's built you know you can say okay he's big let's put him at tight end maybe he can't run routes Maybe he can't catch. You know, put him at running back. Maybe he can't run from that position. You know, like it's just not a – I mean, you can try it, but like they had him at the halfback on special teams. Like that like that was a joke, man. Uh, he got blackballed out of the NFL. Um, you know, I was talking about this <coughs> before I get back to my top players. About guys, especially like uh, – that are very openly religious. Like, they tried to muzzle Reggie White back in the day. Uh, you know, he made a comment about uh, uh, gay people are sinners and they're going to hell. Of course, you can't say something like that nowadays. Um, but you tried to muzzle him because he was openly religious. Uh, Tebow, blackballed, openly religious. Now, I understand, like, you can't have a third-string quarterback being the center of attention on media day. Right? Uh-oh. We got people at the door. Um, you can't have your third-string quarterback being the center of attention. You can't have your defense being asked 
what is a what do you think about Tebow doing this? What do you think about Tebow doing that? And, you know, so I understand, but I still feel like he never got a fair shot to compete for a job in the NFL. And uh, But you go around, you want to make uh, the religious guys, you want to hold them back. They want to muzzle them. Like, look at Herm Edwards. Openly God-loving man. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't have a head coaching job in the NFL? He was a successful coach with the Jets and the Chiefs. I think it's kind of interesting that he doesn't have uh, a head coaching job. And I think it's based off because of how openly religious he is. Now, you got guys like that and, you know, it's just the NFL wants you to talk about the NFL. The NFL wants you to focus on what's between the sidelines. They don't like the protesting. They don't like you talking about God. They want you to talk about football, 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 sell jerseys, sell games, uh, get stats, you know, sell cards, fantasy football. Talk about all that. But, man, if you talk about God, here comes that muzzle. And, you know, uh, a true God-loving man is not going to allow a muzzle to be placed up on him. So, because God is good. And... But I'm going to bring it back to my players of the week to where, uh, like I said, I talked about Terrell Pryor, really good player, um, showed me something, man. I'm impressed, and it's unfortunate that he plays for Cleveland. But So the Kansas City defense forced six interceptions, held the Jets to 0-4 in the red zone, forced two fumbles and scored a touchdown against what's supposed to be a pretty prolific offense in New York. And Dak Prescott, 19-24, 248, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown on 36 yards rushing. But a 99.1 QBR, which is just, uh, it's one out to 100 is how you rank it. So 99.1 is is damn near perfect. Um, So Dak Prescott, Trevor Simeon, as I mentioned before, 23-35, 312 yards, four touchdowns. Um, 87.1 QBR, which is, like I said, it's, it's phenomenal. Well, he did. Uh, my boy Carson Wentz, 23 of 31, 301, two touchdowns, his first 300-yard game, 79.6 QBR. So those are my those are my players of the week. Kansas City defense, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Trevor Simeon. You know, there's a big conversation about Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz. Who's the better young quarterback, right? Um, look, Prescott's done phenomenal things. The thing I like about Wentz, I'm not going to hate on Prescott at all. But the thing I like about Wentz, the reason his QBR may be down, is because he throws downfield. And when you throw downfield, you are likely to have more interceptions if you're not throwing 10, 15 yards downfield. Cole Beasley for the Cowboys caught his first pass ever over 20 yards. Um, so that just speaks to their offense. Des Bryant's the only guy that really – because Terrence Williams is – he's in the doghouse and probably won't be back anytime soon. Uh oh! You got more people. I think th- I think that she'll go get it. Yeah, we're good. All right, all right cool. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I like the doorbell. At least it's working again. That's yeah, we cool, have the man. door, but yeah. So yeah everybody, looks at I know home. I know I'd have people like texting me and calling me while I'm trying to do the show. Let me in. Yeah, yeah we have a doorbell, a working doorbell again here at that's, the network. That's awesome, man. We're coming on up, man. Um. And I like seeing the door fixed. 
that that was cool too. Yeah, we had the door fixed. We got our little uh, our little sticker, our vinyl sticker back there. We have our green room set up. We're really we're making strides over here. Yeah, man, I'm loving every second of it too. Did I ever tell you that I love my show? Did I ever tell you that? You do. Yeah, because I do love it. Cause you God do love your me. show. But uh, those are the guys, and you know, you talk about Wentz or Prescott. I like Wentz. He goes downfield to where Prescott. He doesn't not go downfield. He just makes the right play, and there's nothing wrong with that. And he also doesn't have to. No, he doesn't have to. He's got Ezekiel Elliott, and he can also take off. He does, and he got Alfred Morris. He got weapons. Oh, man, Alfred Morris. What a great pickup for uh, them. Yes, absolutely, man. He for, fits your system. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, they've got they've got their smash and dash team. Mm-hmm. They've they've got a pretty solid smash and dash team. They are well set up, uh, it, and their front line too. I was watching the them that last game. Their front line, as far as uh, running back for the O line, man, they're moving people around. They're not playing around this year. Best offensive line in the league. But if you look at this, if you're comparing Prescott to Wentz. All right, here's my thing. This is why I would vote for Wentz, and I'm I'm not trying to be biased, right? But if you're if you're drafted second overall, a team mortgages their whole next couple of years future draft picks to get you. That's a lot of pressure. He plays 24 snaps in the preseason. Okay, on three possessions or whatever, and he broke his rib. So, 8 days before the season starts, all of a sudden you trade the starting quarterback. So now you're the starter. After having only played, like I said, 24 snaps, 24 plays. And you don't have the best offensive line, but you have a good offensive line. You don't have an elite receiver, but you got some good receivers. You got deep running backs, but you don't have a star running back. But you do have a very good defense. And But Prescott played the whole preseason as a starter, came into the season as a starter. And even though being the pressure of being a Dallas Cowboy starting quarterback is a huge spotlight in itself, if you compare the situations, you're a fourth-round pick that's, as of right now, you're still holding that spot till Tony Romo comes back. Uh, Carson Wentz, this is your show. The whole team is built around you. And that's a lot of pressure, man. And you know, and he's really stepped up and like for a, uh, a quarterback, especially a quarterback to come out of the SEC where you would mostly imagine, you know, you, you'd get mostly uh, defensive linemen, uh, maybe some tackles, stuff like that, to be an SEC quarterback and to come in and, and to play as well as he has mm-hmm. as far as a pocket passer, that's been really impressive. It has, man. And, you know, he was known for being a, a running quarterback in Mississippi State. Now, you know, Greg, big little Greg came in here and he talked about Prescott really worked on his progressions. He really worked on playing from the pocket. And I thought it would take him a year in the league before he'd really get acclimated in. But he's played really well. And the thing about both of them, Neither one of them are turning the ball over. So, yeah. so you know, uh, of course, if you don't go downfield, chances of turning it over are less likely. But yeah. I like Prescott. Yeah, I do too. I, I just didn't think – like, my family – I'm from Mississippi. We grew up state fans. I never thought that I would say starting quarterback from Mississippi State University. Mm-hmm. Especially for such a high-profile team. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty remarkable what they've both done. Uh, but I'll go Homer. I'll go – I think Wentz has been a little bit more impressive – Based off the pressure and based off his offensive team not being as good. Uh, and his stats have just looked better. They have looked a little better. But he goes downfield. That's what I like. He goes downfield and he still don't turn it over. Prescott makes the right play. And he'll start going downfield as the season comes uh, or progresses on. But 
I think Wentz at this point has done a little bit better. He makes the throws too. He makes yeah. those throws that you want to see a quarterback make. You you do, and you know I was talking to my boy uh, Money, the doctor of sportsonomics, and I was telling him you know things I like about Wentz and I don't like at the same time are on third and long he wants to pick up that first down. He's not taking the six yards. He's he wants the twelve yards. If he takes off running. He took a couple. He didn't take any hits yesterday. He did a great job, which shows another level of progression and maturity already. Yeah, three. I mean, remember that was a problem with Sanchez at the beginning of his career, where he, when he would he would start going downfield, he would leave himself pretty vulnerable. To take the hit, and, and maybe I think his thing is he got hit too much, and then it scared him. Yeah, well, he, he was never, you know. There I, were a couple years. I wouldn't in, in, him. I mean, he made it to the he made it to the playoffs uh, two years in a row. Yeah, he did. A few years in a row, he did. And you know, but uh, I'm not gonna talk about Mark Sanchez. But uh, <laughs> Carson Wentz, when he takes off running, he'll his eyes will be so locked in on that first down marker that he would take the hit, and it's just it's just not worth it. The quarterback to pick up first down on third and long, you just take what you can get and get down. Let your defense play. But he doesn't turn the ball over. I'm very excited about that. So I'm going to do my picks for the NFL coming up this week. Kansas City's at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh laying six. I expect Pittsburgh to really lay the wood to Kansas City this week. Uh, Pittsburgh being a team that's going to bounce back. They were embarrassed yesterday. They got their ass kicked. Yeah, but you can't ben, – Ben's going to get his. You know he, what I mean? He's like, even his. in that game, he's still got like – what two fifty seven or so? He, yeah. he 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 still got his. He did, but he got lit up. Yeah, he got sacked and hit a bunch of times. But Le'Veon Bell comes back next week, and everybody's just talking about Le'Veon Bell's suspension. He tore his knee up last year, so he's coming back from that too. It's not just uh, waiting on suspension, waiting for him to come back. He's he's coming back slowly from a knee injury. So you got to be careful with. Running backs, you do. They, they they come and go, you know, so three, quickly. Three-year lifespan. And while you got D'Angelo, use D'Angelo still. Don't – don't now that Bell's back, he gets 25 carries. Save Bell for the playoffs. Still give D'Angelo 10 to 12 carries, especially between the tackles. You can still use D'Angelo in the screen game. It's just utilize him and not make him uh, – because he, he's a good player, man. Got the Giants at Minnesota. Minnesota, four-point favorite. I'm taking the Giants to come in here and win this game. Uh, I don't know really know why because Minnesota, like I said, I think best team in the NFC right now. But I, I, the Giants are so such historically, especially under Tom Coughlin, an inconsistent team. Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde type of thing, and I expect them to, to bounce back and play well at Minnesota. Dallas is laying down three at San Francisco. I think the Niners get them, man. I think Prescott turns the ball over for the first time. San Francisco's back home after being on the road a couple weeks. Um, and against in hostile environment, Carolina and and Seattle, tough places to play against good football teams. Uh, I think San Francisco gets Dallas this week, and I'm not hating on Dallas, but I expect a turnover. I expect you know it'd be a close game, and I expect Kaepernick to get in there and kind of lift the team up a little bit because when your team's struggling on offense so badly, uh, a change can really just spark you up, uh, like Carson Wentz in Philadelphia did when they went from Bradford. Uh, the Raiders are at Baltimore. Baltimore laying three and a half. I think Oakland gets their first road loss. Uh, Baltimore goes to four and zero because Oakland another inconsistent team so far. Too many penalties and the worst defense in the NFL uh, statistically. I don't think they're the worst team, but statistically you give up a lot of yards, man. Uh, but I got Baltimore winning that game. 
Indianapolis, two and a half point favorite going to Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville gets their first win of the season. They better. Well, that coach may be gone uh, a week from today. Uh, Against Indianapolis? Yeah, man. I don't like Indianapolis. I don't think they're very good. I, I'm, I really, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that luck would have had that win. It was a fumble on uh, the, I believe it was the, uh, it was the, one of the running backs, backup running back made that fumble. I think Luck had it going in. I think he was going to come back and win that game. What game? The uh, last last game against but, um, who did they play last? They played San Diego. Yeah, I was watching that game. Yeah, the Colts won. Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Re- retract that. I thought. You know what? <laughs> I thought you're right. They did win. Yeah. They lost last week in a close game. Maybe yeah, yeah. No, he or... almost he almost brought it. I'm thinking yeah. of a different play. I think I turned that game off because I got really frustrated with Two it. Two weeks ago, he played Detroit. Detroit was up on him, and yeah. the Colts stormed back from there, Yeah, and, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah. I'm not high on the Colts. You know, I don't like their defense. I don't like their setup. I think their team's not very good, and I think the quarterback's overrated, and they don't have a coach. I think Jacksonville picks up their first win. You're 0-3. got to be desperate. Pull out the stops. Pick up your first victory. Uh, Seattle's at the Jets. I don't have the spread here, but I got the Jets winning that game. If Russell Wilson got a sprained MCL. It's a must win for the Jets. Uh, you already lost a home game. Uh, you can't go to 0-2 at home and continue to think you're going to compete for the playoffs. My lock of the week, which I've missed every week so far, uh, I got Washington, who's laying 9.5 at home against Cleveland. Uh, I think Washington wins the game. I think that's my lock. We're probably 28-6, to something like that. Uh, though I do like Terrell Pryor, <laughs> the other 52 guys I'm not a fan of. Uh, so those are my picks for the NFL. I did my picks for college. I did my players of the week. We talked about Les Miles. Uh, the Grizzlies Saturday night have a blue and white game coming up. Nice scrimmage. Coach Fisdale get his first live action. Just saw a great pick of DJ Steffens and Chris Crawford uh, in jerseys together. Oh, uh, yeah. Chris Crawford's with the Grizzlies? It he, he, he looked like Chris Crawford wearing number six. I looked up the roster to see. Uh, DJ's number twenty this uh, this season, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that it it's uh, Chris Crawford wearing six. Well, that's cool, man. I don't know if he's you know if he's going to be one of those guys that goes back and forth between uh, yeah the D League yeah, but still, man, it's cool to see him even even in there. Uh, but all in all, big weeks. Um, I've touched on everything that my notes has to offer. I'm coming close to my eighty minutes. So, I feel like I did a really good job of hitting this thing down. Rolled it by myself. Uh, next week, we'll do my power rankings. There'll be more to talk about as far as football goes. Um, hopefully, uh, nobody else gets killed by police this week. That'd be pretty good. Uh, so, I'd be excited about that. Um, have you seen Hillary Clinton between the two ferns? I haven't watched it all the way through yet. Oh, you got to watch that, man. Like, I don't know. I- I'm sure she was in on it. Yeah, but man, she didn't look like it. Really? Yeah, no, yeah. I, you see, though, every every election year, what they do is they'll put like what they did with Trump on Fallon. They take uh, the the candidates and they put them on certain venues that humanize them. So uh, they put Trump on Fallon, and that was his kind of humanizing yeah. thing. I mean, he pulled his hair, whatever. And then they put uh, I'm, I'm, they put Hillary on between two ferns. Which, and it's hilarious. It's an hilarious six minutes uh, where he says, uh, how does it feel to be the first girl president? <laughs> right? And then he says, for most of the youngsters, you'll be the first white president. 
you know so it, it, it was it was hilarious man he's like i gotta take a shout out to my sponsor and it was donald trump uh but all in all man that was pretty funny uh funniest thing is the whole thing how am i gonna how am i gonna reach you you want me to text you call you send you an, send email? an email yeah so but anyways that's all i got remember uh don't get shot by the police and don't shoot the police and because uh, they're not not all bad man we're gonna get out of here thank you for listening oem network side street grill power to the podcast god is so good to me and i'm out peace this podcast is a production of ohm audio and the ohm network for more information go to the oamnetwork.com